Mary Seed of Wisdom. This is Deacon Kevin. I'm along with Father Ron Kalis. Father Ron, how are you tonight? Okay, Kevin, we have a special guest I hear with us tonight. How, how <laughs> wonderful that is. Someone you know. We have uh, Deacon uh, Tom Lambert. He's a deacon at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And uh, Deacon Lambert is founding and current member of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Commission on Mental Health. He's also the co-chair of National Council on Mental Illness. Welcome, Deacon Tom. Thank you. Uh, good to be here with you and uh, look forward to our discussion tonight. So, uh, so just let everyone know, Deacon Tom was really instrumental in assisting uh, Mary Seat in our one evening of mental health awareness that we had recently. Um, and without, you know, I, I sat, how I got to know Tom was uh, part of my uh, diaconate ministry is a three year, they call it a Mayus program, and I call it continuing ed essentially. And Deacon Tom came and talked to our group of uh, deacons and wives uh, about mental health ministry, and he has a really compelling story. So, Deacon Tom, could you tell us, our, our listeners, about how you came to be? um and instrumental in this ministry sure um well my wife rita and i we have uh four daughters and our oldest daughter has a mental illness and back in the late 1980s as uh, she started uh, showing signs and symptoms of her illness we started looking for resources and um one of the places we looked for was uh, within the church and um, we didn't find any, quite honestly, this back in the 80, 1980s. <clears throat> and uh, somebody told us about NAMI. So NAMI, uh, we joined NAMI. We got very involved in NAMI. In fact, I was the state president during the 90s. But uh, one of the first things uh, NAMI said to me was, you're a deacon, let get your churches involved, you know. And so that started uh, uh, my path towards, uh, along with other people, about five of us, really, we started the Archdiocese and Commission on Mental Illness, and we started going around and giving workshops and so on on what is mental illness and how does it affect and everybody. And, and what we found and discovered is that we were not alone. You know, when something like this hits you, you think, well, you're all alone. You know, you're the, you're the, you're the only one going through all this. And then we discovered that it wasn't quite the case. And uh, so now what we're doing, like Kevin, you talked about, is uh, parish programs, uh, among other things, but we call it awareness, acceptance, and accompaniment. So we're trying to make parishes aware of the, the commonality, really, of mental illness. They say one in four people in any point in time in any given year will be dealing with a mental illness. And in today's climate, you know, with the COVID and everything that's going on that, that has increased the anxiety and, and uh, unease about uh, what, what you're going through. So it's even more important today. 
<clears throat> and for every one of those, and think of it, you know, in your parish, if it's one in four people are experiencing some kind of effect of mental illness, every one of those people has a family, has friends, so that it touches a broader uh, group of people than just, it's not only the people who have the mental illness. So that's why what you did at Mary Seed of Wisdom was so important is that you had people come and talk about it and basically to help accompany people. So we in the parish um, accompany people in their journey. And, and I, I often say, you know, you don't, you don't have to be an oncologist to accompany a person who's going through cancer treatments and you, you just wanna be with them, right? You wanna be a friend to them and uh, help them, pray with them, whatever uh, gives them hope. And that's really what we're talking about with mental illness is you don't have to be a psychologist, you don't have to be a psychiatrist, we're not solving people's problems, we're accompanying them in their journey and helping them to connect up. And I think, you know, Kevin, you found that when after the presentation, right? There were a lot of people who were very interested in finding out more information. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, my experience, as brief as it was, was very powerful in that, um, since giving since that evening i've had a number of people come up to me who i've known for quite a long time quite a number of years and never knew that um, they had family members or people that associated with that had mental uh diagnosed mental conditions and um i felt very moved the fact that um these people one they needed uh, someone to, to talk to. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think I want to touch on maybe a story in that regard of what you told us that night a few years ago when I listened to you the first time. You know, we talk about people don't know what to say or don't know what to do or because of the stigma. Um, I think your, your chicken story is a good story. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. It, 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 and I, I tell the story that, uh, you know, when my wife went through open heart surgery the very first time, um, she was in the hospital for 10 or more days, and then she was home convalescing for several weeks. And every day at six o'clock, somebody came to the door uh, bringing a casserole. And uh, I, like I was saying, is that I, I never knew there were that many ways to cook chicken. <laughs> we had... <laughs> It's a chicken casserole every every uh, night at six o'clock was like a, a routine. Uh, but then when our daughter went uh, to the hospital for ho hospitalization for a mental illness, nobody came to the door. And I, I think the difference is, again, the stigma uh, of uh, having a mental illness. So we often refer to it as the no casserole disease because a lot of times people don't know what to say. They're they think uh, you might be embarrassed or they'll be embarrassed. Um, and again, it's all the misperceptions and stigmas that surround mental illness. So we're trying to destigmatize that to let people know that uh, you can talk. And that's what we want to do in parishes, create a safe place where people can share their story and we can listen to it without judgment, without, um, you know, just anything but uh, listening to what they're going through. and helping them along the way. You know, you know, and, and Ron, you know, we, you, we've experienced this being a priest and a pastor um, of, of times in people's lives uh, when they've 
suffered something and, and, you're, and probably the rest of the congregation or even family or friends, it's, I, I've heard this before, uh, and not with just mental illness, but with other things. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to do. I don't, what, I don't wanna you know, make them feel bad by bringing this up or, mm -hmm. you know, it could be anything from not only mental illness to uh, serious illness, to a loss of a job to and, and I find that um, the spiritual side of of us as fellow Christians as people part of the community uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to move us um, to to comfort people like I think you said it Tom is we're not solving you know someone's problem. I'm not right. going right. to solve someone's problem but I can at least convey my my concern or say that you know, I'll, I will pray for you. Mm -hmm. um, so we can That's talk present. a little bit like the mental health awareness was really about getting other people as well kind of comfortable with uh, with with what what it is and how can we respond as a faith community. And I think, you know, it, again, it's presence in people's lives and um, you don't have to have all the answers. Um, you, you just really, it's so important to be present to people. You were saying before about people coming up to, I've given homilies at masses uh, where a parish will invite me in to talk at all the masses. And afterwards there's lines of people who will come up to me and say, uh, I'm just so grateful you're talking about this. We haven't heard anybody uh, speak about this before. Um, or, you know, one man, I was in, in a parish, they invited me in Florida to give talks, and this man came up, he was in his 90s, and he came up to me and he just burst into tears. He said, my wife died by suicide 40 years ago, and he hadn't been able to really talk to, talk to anybody about that in a church setting. And so it was just, imagine somebody carrying that kind of burden for 40 years and not being able to talk about it. Or uh, when I was at in Mount Prospect there, uh, uh, we had run a series of bulletin articles and a lady came up to me and said, you know, you're the first person I've ever said this to, but my twin sister has schizophrenia and I've never told anybody that. So imagine the, the ability to unburden herself with now somebody else knows. And that is such a relieving thing, at least it was for her. So I think that's what really what we're about, is we're being present to people, we're giving them um, a, a chance to uh, talk about what they're going through, and we're doing it in the setting of, you know, our, our, our faith. So we're journeying with them in a faith journey, and we're bringing, you know, Christ's presence to that. And there's nothing more healing, I think, than listening. So when we listen to a person's story, they feel, you know, uh, they've gotten something out that they've been holding in, and that's wonderful. So I think you you know you brought up listening. You you're starting these programs um, called Holy Listening. Could you tell us is this what you're talking about? And then how do how would I be able to partake in something like that? Or what does it mean to me? Um, well, Rita and I have um, uh, put together uh, uh, a program on holy listening. And basically, holy listening, I've written a two-page article on what it entails. And it's basically, you know, uh, understanding that everybody is sacred. So when we listen to their story, their story is sacred. And there's no judgment. 
about what their life has been like or what they're going through now. We're just, we're listening and we're listening with that sense of sacredness. And um, so we're not, we're not, you know, a lot of times people are feel, well, what did I do wrong? You know, why is God punishing me? And so we do talk about the fact that this is, illness isn't from God. You know, this is not how God's plan, you know, God's plan is to give us strength to journey with us, to help us um, in that spiritual sense. So um, it, it involves all those things. And what we've done is we've, over the years, you know, we've had a lot of interactions with people. So through those, some of those examples, we are able to talk about how we've, you know, developed our listening skills. And that's basically what we're, what we do talk about that. So what can, what can we do as a, as a faith community? You know, we had our evening of awareness. What are you, know, you, what are your suggestions? What have you seen around the archdiocese that as a grouping uh, in our area that we can, that would be good next steps to take? Well, I think you've, you, you've started down that path, which is you, you've got a survey going on, on where do people see the, the church going in this and moving in this direction. So a lot of it, I think, is driven by the needs of the parish. So there's no one size fits all. It's what are the needs and who are the people within the parish who are um, interested in, in developing something. And, and there's models around of what you can do. So St. Damien's Parish on the Southwest side has a wonderful support program uh, for families. And then, and they've been doing this for three years, I think it is now. Um, and then they have uh, now started one for people who have the illness. And it's, it's based on a, a program out of Grace Alliance that they use. So it combines the spiritual with the, uh, the listening part, the discussion part. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing parishes, you know, what I would like to see every parish do, or clusters, parish clusters, is have like a mental health team, you know, so that we can uh, connect people up. So one of, the, one of the issues we have as a society is we don't have good mental health care. We have excellent mental health care facilities, you know, like a Northwestern or, you know, some of the hospitals. Uh, and we have programs um, like thresholds or other programs, but we don't have the connectivity between those. So a person might be in the hospital and then he comes home or she comes home and then where do they go from there? Where do they get the continuing care? Um, there's not, uh, there's really a lack of psychiatrists in terms of like, you, it might take you three months to get a, an appointment with a psychiatrist or a therapist might be a little easier to get, but even there. So you wanna be able to know where, where are those people and how do I get a hold of those people? So that's one of the things I think we can do, but, like we say in many regards in terms of what we do ministerially, we don't just refer and they say goodbye, good luck. You know, we journey with them. So when somebody's going through a crisis, let's say for the first time of a mental illness, how do we journey with that person? And that's where a program like what you did, uh, Kevin, and then the follow up with that and, and doing some listening skills and so on is how do we journey with that person so that they're not alone during all this? And, um, uh, so there's things like that that can be done. I think, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, especially now one of the areas 
is obviously with you know covid and what parents are going through or people with people that are um older that are alone um i just feel like there's that the awareness level has to be um the our antennas have to be up right for our neighbors for our parishioners for our family our friends you know yeah. for the, for for clergy for us for ron you know myself and you who encounter people our antennas have to be a little more sensitive right exactly and and because again so many people are are going through that and they're not you know that's why it's important to talk about it at church it's important like on a sunday homily i might throw in as an example of what i'm doing something in the mental health field or something or i'll, I'll use my daughter every once in a while uh as as a, a part of the homily and what that does is it lets people know that I understand what mental health is about. Um, so we need to send uh, signals to the parish, if you will, on, hey, we get it, we wanna be there for you. Um, again, we're not doctors, we're not therapists, um, but we want to journey with you. And I often, you know, I often think of the thing where over the years, you know, we've built ramps for the people who have physical disabilities to get into church and so on. And I, I say, this is building ramps for the mind. How do we help people come to church and feel comfortable in church and that they're not all alone? So there might be a guy, you know, who, or a man or a woman or someone who sits in the last pew every time, even though there's a lot of space up front, they're in the back. Well, one of two things, maybe they wanna be first out of the parking lot to get a Dunkin' Donut, but maybe they're a person dealing with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder or anxiety issues. And the fact that they made it to the back pew in the church is wonderful. And we should welcome them and make them feel good about that. So it's, it's just having, like you said, it's a good word, having your antenna up for the signs and signals of what people might be going through and struggling. Ron? Yes, Ron? Uh, I was thinking... Uh, this has followed a pattern, you know, we, a couple of years ago, we had Charlie Dom, was it, the Dominican, going around and talking about domestic abuse? Yes. We never talked about that either, and that helped a lot. Uh, and then there was uh, uh, groups that formed uh, around people who were going through divorces, because uh, we didn't have that uh, either. And so we're taking gigantic steps here to, uh, in awareness of what folks are going through, which is really a part of ministry, and to try to respond to that uh, using information such as you're presenting uh, tonight, Tom. I appreciate hearing that. And I think people who are listening to us on the podcast, uh, perhaps that might spark something in them as sure. well. Um, just the fact that we're not afraid to talk about this. Um, it's so, it's so, yeah, it's so important. And, and I think, you know, there's a connectedness with some of these things too. So like mental illness, you know, a lot of times might be a, a root cause or, or have a factor in a divorce or uh, in self-medicating. A lot of people with very serious and uh, mental illnesses uh, self-medicate with alcohol or drugs and um and i you know i'm in a parish in the city so i i talk to people on the street who are dealing with those issues 
And when you get to know them, they're, they're, they're really good people, but they've had some bad breaks in life or they're dealing with an illness and they don't know how to, they don't know how to deal with a mental illness. And so they're just surviving as best they can. So we need to, yeah, talk about all those issues and see the connectivity in between a lot of those issues. And, and I just quickly, I want to go down a different avenue. I just think of conversations you'd have with certain about other individuals. And, I, you know, you hear someone say, well, I don't know why they just can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and yeah. or tough it out. or you're, And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we don't have the whole story here. Yes. Uh, you're right. You can have some underlying symptom or a condition uh, similar to, you know, same as a medical, uh, you know, a physical body condition. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly, and I think I heard this the other night in our awareness evening, you know, some, a lot of the mental illnesses, they are attributed to things going on physically in your, in someone's brain. So um, I, I wanted to ask you one, two questions really. It was one was, do you feel like uh, the stigma of what we're talking about is, has gotten better over the years because of just, just because of these listening and discussions? Would well, it certainly, yeah, it, it, I think it has gotten better. It's, it's, we still got a long way to go though, but you, when, what helped and you know, this is the society we live in, but when people like movie stars or people who are um, singers or something come out, you know, relatively famous people and say, well, I'm dealing with depression and, and people say, oh my gosh, you know, if he can have it, maybe I can deal with it too. Um, but if you go back in history, you know, people who have mental illnesses are very, uh, oftentimes very creative. So it's not something that you have to say, oh, well, you know, the person can't do anything because they have a mental illness. So we got to get rid of those stereotypes because people can be very creative, can be very contributory to society. And, and they're very bright. That's the other misconception. Um, I see a person fairly frequently who has schizophrenia and he can't hold a job because of um, the, uh, the types of medications aren't working as well as perhaps somebody who, you know, it works better for. Um, but he's the, one of the brightest guys. He quotes uh, uh, Cicero, he quotes Plato, um, and he's, he's very bright. Uh, and he is holding a job, but um, he could do so much more if somebody gave him a chance, really. Um, uh, Kevin, I have a question. Uh, after Tom came and shared with the folks, and you had a good turnout, even despite uh, the fact that it's so uh, difficult today for people to come out, uh, what are some of the next steps, then, that a parish could take, such as Mary's seat, regarding this? So, uh, Brian, were you directing that at me? Well, either one of you, but uh, uh, so, uh, uh, after the session, uh, you know, people say, well, now what? You know, what can right. we yeah. specifically uh, do in the local community? So we did, we did collect surveys. We're still collecting some surveys. They're still coming in. But some of the, you know, res responses has been uh, putting on additional speaker nights, uh, okay. having professional speakers, other, you know, professional uh, doctors, psychiatrists, people that, um, that would come in and talk to the group. Uh, also, we're developing our own listening session. 
Um, I think the other thing I wanted to do is reach out to the parishes in our grouping to see if they would be interested uh, in, 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 you know, a community. If we uh, would bring this session to other parishes in our grouping as well, and then uh, see what kind of support groups that we'd want to develop, uh, similar to St. Damien in Oak, uh, Oak Forest. They have uh, a family support group, and as Tom mentioned, uh, now there's a support group with people that have mental conditions themselves. So, um, so those are a number, a couple of things that we would would talk about doing in the future. So that's our, those are our next steps, um, and I think it's uh, incumbent upon us as as clergy, like Tom mentioned, um, for us to talk about it when we get a chance. Um, you know, throughout our liturgy as well, uh, you know, we pray for people um, with physical, and I know we, we, we talk about praying for people with mental illnesses as well, um, and looking for opportunities to reach out. And, and uh, hopefully people would feel comfortable enough coming and talking to us. And uh, I think where I wanted to go with my last question for Tom was, you know, where can people reach out to us? They certainly can reach out to me through my uh, Mary Seat of Wisdom uh, Parish email. You can go on the website and find my uh, email. So I have connections with, of course, Deacon Tom. They can contact you directly, Tom, as well. Yes, we have a, a website, miministry, miministry.org. And on there are, um, well, Rita's written this beautiful prayer um, called Each Day, and it's a prayer of gratitude. And I think it's it's really very timely for what we're going through now is that it, it calls to mind the blessings of the day and what um, we have uh, so many things to be grateful for. So it shifts the focus away from the problems to, you know, what we're grateful for. So on that website, people can, is my email, O-L-M-C-I-N-F-O-2 at uh, AOL.com. So people can email me and I'll be happy to um, answer any questions they have and and connect them up, you know, like you would too, Kevin, with NAMI and um, the resources that that we are know are in the area there. You know what? You better give that email address again, but give it slowly so sure. people <laughs> uh, can write it down. Folks, uh, if you're listening now and you want that email address, uh, Tom's going to give it. So get yourself a little piece of paper and something to write with, and he's gonna share it slowly. So uh, you can make the connection. Okay. It's O-L-M-C-I-N-F-O, and then the number two, at AOL.com. Do it once more. O-L-M-C-I-N-F-O, O, the number two, at AOL.com. Thank you. And if you go on the Archdiocese, I think if you, it's a little tougher, but to find your, I think you're in the subsection, is it family ministries? No, it's in, yeah, it's in the Office of Persons with Disabilities. Okay. So, so yeah, you got to hunt, actually, you have yeah, to hunt around. Because I know every time I go on the website, I have to hunt around to find it. Um, so that's it. And if not, if you need it, his email you could just also email me as well and i'll get it on to you um so great tom thanks very much for coming on with us 
Um, I see the clock on the wall. It's time to for, for Ron. Ron, we need a, a, a prayer and a blessing. Well, uh, Tom mentioned a prayer here just a few moments ago. Uh, Tom, is that uh, available to you tonight to pray yeah. with us? Each day? Yeah. How about it? Okay. This is, again, my wife, Rita, who's a spiritual director, wrote this. So each day, number one, I will recall that I am a child of God. I am one who is created out of love. I am chosen, good, holy, and have purpose, a task to perform here on earth before I return to the Father. I deserve to be treated as a person who has value and dignity. Number two, I will embrace my illness or my family member's illness as a friend this day, looking for what is, is, it is teaching me about the mystery of God and of life. Number three, I will not allow the stigma of mental illness to defeat me this day. I will choose to have power over stigma by detaching myself from the stigma. And number four, I will talk to someone today who will encourage me to see my goodness and holiness as a child of God. May, maybe we will share a prayer together for one another. Five, I will look for humor and reasons to laugh and be happy. Quiet joy will be my goal. And number six, I will read a passage from scripture or something from a book of devotion, inspiration or spiritual reading that will encourage me to trust and hope in the power and love of God. And number seven, I will seek 20 minutes of solitude, silence and prayer this day. If my mind won't quiet down, if my thoughts keep racing, I will offer that as my prayer to God. If necessary and helpful, I will listen to soothing instrumental music, inspirational religious music to quiet me and to remind me that God is present. Eight, I will walk outdoors, marveling at a sunrise, a sunset, the song of a bird. I will walk outdoors marveling at this sunset and song of bird the soothing colors of nature, the serenity of grass, the blue sky, the softness of pastel colored blossoms of springtime and peaceful waters of a river, lake or stream. I will remind myself that everything in nature is a reflection of the creator and pleases the creator just as it is. And so do I, just as I am. I will delight in the knowledge that we are each created different because it is in our differences that we make a more powerful and beautiful whole. We each reflect a different aspect of the mystery of life and God, individually, individually, and together we are a masterpiece. And last, in God is my hope and my joy. I will give honor, glory, and praise to God, knowing and trusting what God has in store for me. We do not seek or like suffering, but our suffering can make us strong in many ways and more compassionate and loving to others, our brothers, sisters in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And Ron, a blessing. And may Almighty God bless us all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good seeing you again, Ron. You too, Tom. The best to you and Rita. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you both. God bless. Have a great Mary Seed of Wisdom, we'll talk to you later. All Pass right. our podcast on. Keep your cards and letter coming. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. All righty.
a little boy with glasses, the one they call a geek. A little girl who never smiles, 'cause I got braces on my teeth, and I know how it feels to cry myself to sleep. I'm that kid on every playground who's always chosen last. A single teenage mother trying to overcome my past. You don't have to be my friend. Is it too much to ask? Don't laugh at me. Don't call me names. Don't get your pleasure from my pain. In God's eyes. 